0: This is part 10 in a 10-part series about the Makkos in Mitzrayim. The last Makkah, the final Makkah, Makkas Spacharos, is so almost inextricably linked to the events of Tesvav Nisan at night, to Karbon Pesach, to the blood on the doorposts, to the special Mitzvot for the first time Am Yisrael experiences Mitzvot, to the chippah zone. It's so difficult just to analyze makas Bechoros without putting it into context of all that occurred of the beginning of the Gula. But I want to try to do that in the shir. Because the larger story of gulas Yisrael and of Carbon Pasach pesach and of gila shechina, that's a shir unto itself, that's a discussion unto itself. And in many ways will blur or obscure some of the detailed... Themes of the actual Makas B'choros. So let's, for a moment, assume that Makas B'choros happen in a vacuum, without it being aligned chronologically with Carbon Pesach, with Yitzias Mitzrayim, with Leel HaGulah, with the night of Chippazon. It's clear that the Mak itself, even in its own framework, carries some very important messages. And it's best and easiest to understand those messages by isolating the Makkah. It's clear that even without knowing that it's the tenth, HaKadosh Baruch Hu introduces this Makkah, O Nega Achat al Paro, there's one more. And this will break the camel's back, as it were, Achrechen <speaking in Hebrew> um, He then, after he describes the Makkah to Moshe Rabbeinu, he assures them that Paro won't listen. And He will, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, will be forced to to launch this Makas Becharos, Laman Revolt Mofsai Be'eretz Mitzrayim, so that I can increase, so that I can multiply the amount of uh, signs and miracles I perform in Mitzrayim. So one maka, Makas Becharos is being referred to as Revolt Mofsai, Plenty, Multiple Miracles. So there are a lot of miracles contained, a lot of themes contained within this one category called Makas Becharos, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu assures Moshe Parah won't listen, and I'll be forced to launch multiple, multiple events, all being housed under the category of Makas Becharos. To a degree, Makas Becharos had already been prophesied. Moshe Rabbeinu was told, after he agrees to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu's agent back in Parsha Shmos. He returns to Yisro's home, presumably continues to raise his family, and at a certain point informs his father-in-law that he must depart, travel to Mitzrayim to release his brothers. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu reinforces that decision, commanding Moshe to return. Moshe takes his wife and children, and then Hashem, as it were, encourages Moshe's return from a different land. Until now it's been the agency of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be a shliach, the burning bush, Am Yisrael, its future. Hashem tells Moshe, you'll see many signs that I'll perform before Paro. And this is how you should articulate your challenge to Paro. Hashem Yisrael. My children Israel are my b'chor. Release them. And if you refuse to release them, Hashem tells Moshe to warn Paro at this stage, I will kill your for, your firstborn. So Moshe in Parsha Shmos wasn't informed of any of the makos, except for makas b'choros. And to a degree, Chazal tell us Avraham Avinu already heard about makas b'choros. Hakadosh Baruch Hu informs Avraham about the servitude and the persecution and the bondage, but he also promises v'gamos hagoy asheri avodu. Dan Anochi. The nation that persecutes the Jews, I will avenge, I will indict them. Dun Dalid nun. Chazal see the word dun as a resheitebus for dever and nega. Dever and nega bechoros. Og nega achat. Bechoros is called a nega because it afflicts primarily, because it afflicts Pyro and Pyro's firstborn primarily. And it's reminiscent of Avayege Naga Hashem, or, Baruch Hu afflicting Pyro back in Parshat Lech Lecha, when he steals, or he hijacks, kidnaps Sarah. And Chazal tell us that this tradition about a a, a completely debilitating Makkah, killing every firstborn in every home, this Masarah was passed from child, from father to child, from Avram to Yitzchak, Yitzchak to Yaakov, so the Jews already had a sense that when Makkah's Spachoros would come, this would be a sign, an omen, this would be a symbol that redemption had started. So this is a Makkah which comes with many, many layers to it. It's well known. It's anticipated. But what are some of the sub-themes? One of the ways that Makas Beharos is referred to, in the Perak of Tehillim, in which we which we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all the Chesed, so one of the phrases is, Lemake Mitzrayim Bivhoram that Akarishbarhu assaulted it's in Parak Kuflamitv. This is the Parak that we know it as the Parak of Kiliolam Chazdo, which we recite all the favors Akarish Barhu did for us, twenty five of them Kiliolam Chazdo. Or twenty actually uh, twenty three because the introduction is just uh stylistic. It starts at Pasakimal, Hodu La Done, Kili Alam Khazda, Loziniflos Keralos Lavadau, Kili Alam Khazdao. Lemakem it's uh bivchorehem, kili alam chazao. Khrijjbar assaulted the Egyptians bivchhorehem, <laughs> not just that the Bukharos were the targets and the victims, but bivchhorehem <laughs> through the Bahars. What happened that night in Mitzrayim is that the, the firstborns had enough. Everyone started to realize that these threats which Moshe lodged weren't empty. That the word was fulfilled time and again. And this incessant and interminable suffering was one person's fault, Pyro and his intransigence, and why not just release these slaves and avoid the, 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 the threat and the punishment that Moshe Rabbeinu had prophesized, And at this point, it wasn't just those who feared HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as it was in the plague of Barad, Hayarei Stevah Hashem, those who feared HaKadosh Baruch Hu relocated their animals inside their homes to avoid Barad. At this point, the Bukharos, the firstborns themselves, were up in rebellion, and and in Mitzrayim in particular, and I'll talk about this a bit later, the Bukharas were not just a family unit, but they represented a political echelon. They were aristocracy. They were the upper class. And they rioted. According to one version, they fled. They ran away to different countries. And the plague of Makas Bechoros still caught them in those countries. It wasn't just limited to Mitzrayim. One of the interesting ways that Makas bukharos is described... In Tehillim is Parak Ayn Ches Onim um, that the firstborn were also attacked in the tents of Cham. Some have seen this as a reference to a broader African plague. Mitzrayim is part of the African continent. Mitzrayim is one of the sons, one of the descendants of Cham. Many of the firstborns had fled to other areas of Cham, other areas of Africa, to try to escape the carnage, and still the, the Maka caught up with them, so to speak. But according to the Medrash, what happened was a little bit different. The firstborn didn't flee, they rebelled. They gathered outside of the palace, and they demanded the release of the Jewish people, when Pyro refused, there was an insurrection, there was a civil war that night. And at least according to one version in the Medrash, 60,000 people were killed in that civil war. According to some versions, six hundred thousand. This was a large scale. We're facing I'm, I'm recording this year in May, excuse me, in March 2012, April 2012, there's been a one year civil war in Syria. No one celebrates the loss of any life. Nine thousand people have lost their lives in the Civil War. In a few hours, sixty thousand at least lost their lives in time And then the the aggressors, the firstborn, who had led this insurrection and had spilled the blood of their countrymen, they became the victims of Makas Becharos. And the phraseology in Kufla Medvav, Lemakei Mitzrayim in Tehillim Perak Kufla Midvav, Lemakei Mitzrayim in Makas Becharos had two stages. It was a two-staged plague. First, HaKadosh baruchu riled up political unrest in Mitzrayim, leading to a civil war which took 60,000 lives, and then the agents of the civil war, of Baruch whose political intervention, the firstborn, the agents became the victims, and they themselves were killed. In the second part, the more familiar part of Makas Baharas. And both were driven by the Rabboni Shalom, and both entail different features or facets of Makas Baharas. The point is that so much of the Makos is a representation of the Rabboni Shalom's intervention in history, in nature, in science, in the planetary motions, in the formation of our Earth. But HaKadosh Baruch also intervenes in politics. And what was seen by so many as a local, national, Egyptian struggle was really fomented by the Rabboni Shalom that was part of Makas Bacharos. Makas Bacharos wasn't just the Rabboni Shalom supernaturally murdering Slaughtering the firstborn, but it was also a political climate that Rabbonah Shalom fomented that led to a civil war spearheaded by the firstborn. Lemake <inaudible> <inaudible> Mitzvahim Makarish Baruchu salted the Egyptians biv <inaudible> through their firstborn, not just attacking their firstborn. So that's one of the lesser known elements about Makas Pacharos, this civil war that broke out earlier in the evening. That's still part of the actual Makkah. The Rav Rav Selovechik has a very interesting piece in his recent or the recently published book called Festival of Freedom. And some of my comments are based on much of what I've read in that book. The firstborn were not the only individuals who persecuted the Jewish people. And it's difficult to appreciate why Makas of was this final consummation, retribution and vengeance. What about everyone else who enslaved and persecuted, who exploited and manipulated? Why were the firstborn targeted? They had to represent something in Egyptian society, in Egyptian culture. And by felling the firstborn... Was a punishment to the culture in total, and it's difficult for us to appreciate that because in our in our cultural milieu, the firstborn don't occupy any political ranking, any specific role. But the rub described, and certainly this is truer of ancient society, which was much more family-based and agricultural-based, and the firstborn represented a, a certain social, political elite, an aristocracy. And every family unit, even our own, the firstborn, is given, at least in most cases, initially at least, more responsibility. He's older before any of the younger siblings grow of age. In a society of manual labor, obviously the sooner that a child reaches adolescence, the quicker they can be put to manual labor. In our society, we don't subject our children to manual labor. So they're productive in society. They're contributors to society when they're in their 20s and 30s. So the difference between a firstborn and a younger sibling is less significant, is less detectable, because by that stage, they're all contributors. But in a society centered upon manual labor, a child that grows... To to physical maturity quicker, can more sooner contribute to the labor of the family, to the labor, uh, to the labor contributions of the family, and the firstborn represented this, not just this group of people, but the ability to use authority, and to abuse their authority, and whether the firstborn per se were more abusive towards the Jews. Less abusive towards the Jews. They represented a society in which political might and political influence was used abusively against the Jews. And it wasn't just the obvious culprits, the usual suspects. Um, it's interesting because when when the uh, Makkah is described twice, once when the threat is launched, and two when the actual Makkah is realized the Torah is very specific about writing me that the plague affected the firstborn of Paro, the firstborn who sat on the throne of Paro, or who was destined to sit on the throne, until the firstborn of the lowly servant, the lowly handmaid, or the firstborn, according to one version, even of those who were captive, even those who were hostage, themselves in Egypt. And Chazal feel that even these sectors, as we so often know, even the persecuted tend to persecute Jews, tend to persecute those who they see as more vulnerable, less defended than themselves. So according to Chazal, even the, the slaves wanted to persecute the Jews, even though they themselves were persecuted. Other slaves, other servants, or at the very least, they were happy. They were, they were, they, they rejoiced at the misfortune which Afflicted, or which befell the Jews, but by attacking the b'chor, basically the symbol of Egyptian abuse, of Egyptian exploitation, of the misuse of power, that symbol, that symbol was attacked. So it wasn't just attacking individuals within families, but attacking a certain icon of power. Firstborn were seen, perhaps in political situations they actually were privileged to more, and were privileged to greater political mobility. But by attacking the firstborn, in that echelon, the entire political and power structure of the Egyptian society, the Egyptian nation, was assaulted. And the rabbona shalom was trying to reorient, was trying to... That's why it's so important, so many mitzvahs. So many mitzvahs are zecher to makas b'choros. The final partials in Parshas Ba, the final sections describing the mitzvah of tzvillin, and These are the partials We actually included our tefillin. Kaddishly, kol b'chor, peter, kol rechem, ebnei yisvel, the firstborn of a Jew, is holy, has to be redeemed. The firstborn animal has to be offered as a karban. The first chamor either has to be beheaded or exchanged for another karban. So many mitzvahs are not just zecher le mitzvayim, but zeicher lamakas pacharos And there's a very interesting tour. The tour is based on Yishalmi in the end of the first parak of Brachos. Yishalmi says that in the section between Kriyashma and Shmon Esrei, we have to mention the following highlights in order to completely capture the themes of Gula. Tani Hakari Eshma Baboker, the Gemari says Yishami. Tzarech L'Haskir Yitzias Mitzrayim, you have to mention Yitzias Mitzrayim. Rebbe Yomer Tzarech L'Haskir BaMalchus. Malchus, you have to mention Malchus Hashem. Acherem Omer Tzarech L'Haskir Bar Kriyas Yamsov, you have to mention Kriyas Yamsov. You have to mention Makas Becharos. Why do you have to mention of all the ten Makas, Makas Becharos? What makes Makas Becharos so iconic and so symbolic? Why is it so important? From the Egyptian standpoint, from a legal standpoint, from a historical standpoint, it led to the ultimate release. But why do we have to mention it and why are there mitzvah zecher Makas Why are our firstborn holy and sacred? Because of Makas Becharos. And the Rav explained because Judaism has a very different view of a Bechor. And for a Jew, a Bechor is not someone who can impose his physical might and his physical force upon younger siblings, and by extension, exploit that physical force upon more vulnerable members of society. But a Bechor is given responsibility and mission, and to help him meet that mission, he's given extra resource, more land, more title, but the this shifting—this is not just a this is not just a punitive moment directed at the Egyptian society and culture—but it's a shifting in the mindset of how man is supposed to view power through the prism of Bukhar. The Bukhars possessed power, but they possess their power and they utilize that power abusively and exploitatively in Mitzrayim, and by annihilating the firstborn of Egypt and replacing them, so to speak, in the longer term with the Jewish firstborn and holiness and sanctity that those Jewish firstborn possess. Akarish Baruch Hu was reorienting the role of a firstborn and reorienting the role of power. So essentially, Makas Bocharos is a large process of restoring social justice, that those who have authority, those who have power, meant to wield their power mercifully selflessly and for the larger good, and therefore Jewish Behar is holy and has to be redeemed and given a sense of mission. And the firstborn of Egypt, who themselves participated in the abuse of power and were part of a society which abused power at all levels, and not just the firstborn of Paro, but every single firstborn, every single family, they had to be eliminated and replaced by a different model of a firstborn and a different model of authority. This is something the Rav writes about, as I mentioned, this festival of freedom. Obviously, my words are different, but it's taken from that section. that The Bukhar was an iconic position in Mitzrayim. It wasn't just firstborn that were targeted, but the general society of power and the way that that power was wielded in persecution of the Jewish people. But thirdly and finally, and this is really why Bukharos makes it into the section of Kriyashma, between Kriyashma proper and Shmonesrei, Who can read about Makas Baharos? Who can read the Pasik in which Moshe is told about Makas Baharos without thinking about a different Bukhar? And not the Bihar, the Jewish Bukaros who were born afterwards, those isolated individuals who may have been firstborn who were redeemed. But a nation of Bukharos, a nation of firstborn. When Hakadosh Hu informs Moshe that He will assault Paro, that He will plague Paro with makas Bukharos again, in Shmuel's parakdalit, the connection between Paro's firstborn and our people is very clear. Ko amar Hashem, beni b'chori Yisrael, my people are my firstborn. Shalaches benivi avdeini, tell Paro to release my b'chor. If he doesn't release my b'chor, I will kill his b'chor. We are a kedush baruch hu's Bechor. First of all, implicit within that statement is that we are kedush baruch hu's children, and makas b'choros started that process of viewing the rabbanu shalom as a father. We were slaves, and we had a very immature sense of religion to the point that Moshe was baffled in Parsha Shmos. How will I introduce you to them? He asks a baruch Hu. and a baruch Hu basically tells him, just tell them stories about their grandparents, ahei yirsha area. But now that we're being redeemed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is starting to update and develop our relationship. and Part of that relationship is forged around marriage, and that's the marriage described in Shir Hashirim. Part of that relationship is forged around father and son, Beni Bechari Yisrael. And by watching the firstborn of the Egyptians annihilated and, and the Jewish people redeemed, as HaKadosh Baruch was firstborn, as part of that prophecy HaKadosh Baruch Hu had given Moshe, had given to Avram, Beni Bechari Yisrael started to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our father. We also, if we're HaKadosh Baruch Hu's b'chor, implicit within that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu has other children, that other nations are children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and possess Salam Malakim, we are HaKadosh Baruch Hu's firstborn, reminding the Jewish people they were being redeemed, not so that they could rejoice and exhilarate in their own liberty and their own emancipation, but because they had a social and national and international mission ahead of them. Beni B'chari Yisrael, and probably more than anything, to remind the Jewish people that you see they weren't a nation yet. So some of the ideas of Am a chosen nation, Mameches Kohenim, the Kadosh, a nation of priests and a and a, and a people of holiness—it's impossible to describe this to them at this stage. They weren't a nation yet; they didn't know what nationhood meant. They were slaves, they were family. So, to start describing the Jewish mission in national terms, in nationalistic terms, it was impossible. But they still had families, and they came from families, and they were a family, a clan, that, and a clan that had descended to Egypt. And the notion of a firstborn in a family was a metaphor that the Jewish people could understand and help them appreciate their own national destiny as they're forging their national identity. So many people are, are, are conflicted about this notion of a chosen people. And for us, a chosen people doesn't mean chosen for privilege or chosen for, for, for luxury, but chosen for mission and chosen for responsibility and chosen for selflessness. And because of that chosenness for higher calling, we need extra resources, we need a relationship with our Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're loved because of our readiness to commit to that mission. But this is what Makas Bechoros symbolized. It wasn't just a, a localized statement about social justice, that the, the culture of Egypt had abused power, and that abuse was captured by the, by the Bechor, and therefore by, by felling or by eliminating the firstborn of Egypt, there was a, a statement about social justice. There was also a, a statement about the arc of Jewish history and, and the role of a people selected by the Rabboni Shalom for mission, and loved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu because of their willingness to adopt that mission, and given a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help steady that mission. And one day that special national identity would be paraphrased or captured in very, very glowing terms of chosen people, or in terms of a nation of priests, or Am Segulim. There's so many phrases that capture the role of a Jew and the love of Hashem feels for us in that role, but we weren't ready for those phrases yet because we didn't have a national identity. So the only phrase we could appreciate is B'ni B'chari Yisrael. It evoked the struggle of the Avos to capture the B'chor and safer Bereshis. Everything that had been committed, all of Yaakov's efforts and all of Avram's concern when he didn't have a child and, and Yitzchak's patience and so when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, B'ni B'chori Yisrael, and then years later, or months later, Makas B'choros fells the Egyptian B'chor while HaKadosh Baruch Hu saves his people and reaffirms B'ni Bihari Yisrael. Beyond the social statements of how to build a society, beyond the punitive elements of killing Pyros firstborn and all the other firstborn, beyond the Proved that Akarish Baruch Hu intervenes in politics, L'makeim, Misraim B'v'charehem. It was the start of that love affair, between Akarish HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael. It both established a personal relationship, which even though the relationship would mature to husband and wife, to king and subject, to commander and commandee at, at Har Sinai, this is the first, almost the first emotive part of our religion, Beni B'chare Israel Bani l'shem lokech, and we saw ourselves as children that Khadashbar who loves, and not just children, but the firstborn with responsibility to help build that family of children. Beni Bihari Yisra. And these were the themes of Makas Biharas. The political element, the political insurrection. Punitive Keen Baysa in every house. Don't think it was limited only to those genetic firstborns, Chazal say. It was the firstborn from a father and the firstborn from a mother. Perhaps it also was a humiliating moment for the Egyptians, As I'll say there was a lot of sexual uh, violation in Egypt, and families had, weren't uh, directly organized, and all sorts of boys and, and women and girls died. People didn't even know they were firstborn because they were born out of adulterous relationships. And in houses in which there weren't firstborn, the oldest person in the house, the, the one who took responsibility, was fell. This was basically an attack on society through households, through families, and through the icon of power. And it was attacking not just that person, but the, the notion of how power had been wielded, not responsibility, but power, not mission, but selfishness and self-indulgence. But it also was a statement directed at Am Yisrael, I will take other firstborns, but you will be my firstborn. B'ni Bechari Yisrael.